0: There's a lot of podcasts out there, but this one, you never know what to expect. It's always fun. Feel all the emotions with your host, Mercedes Rich, and every surprise guest. Now it's time. And the artist is...
1: Hey guys, I'm Mike Donahue singer of 10th avenue north and of mike Donahue.
0: what's going on in life
1: what's going on in life well i have four daughters so there's a myriad of things circulating at all times well at least you're never bored you know i'm just trying to keep up you know <laughs> yeah and valid feelings without them you know being run by them yeah that's fair life is hard
0: Life life is very hard. Yeah. (laughs) So how do you feel now that you have your second book out?
1: I feel relieved in some sense. Yeah? Because this one was much more difficult to write for some reason. I think it's because the first one was a bit more autobiographical. So Mm -hmm. it was a bit like whatever I felt like talking about. Mm -hmm. Or this one was a much more well-defined topic. And therefore, when you really define a topic, you feel the need to completely cover it and by the end of the book i went man there's still 10 more books to be written about this <laughs> so maybe that's a good sign
0: yeah i mean i would say it's a good sign cuz the book is full of full of great information
1: man i'm trying
0: it was it was powerful stuff it was definitely what i needed to read so what do you really hope that people get out of this book
1: well obviously the thing i hope they take away is a thoughtful introspection at their own approach to argument. You know, I kind of wrote the book thinking I was going to talk about different arguments and different positions. And as I was writing it, I started I, I to started feel uncomfortable because I started getting convicted of, man, I have a lot of work to do in how I approach people and how I argue and how gentle am I in my response. And so I hope anyone who reads this kind of walks away going, Man, am I just trying to win fights or am I actually trying to love people well?
0: What was kind of like the final nail in the coffin that you knew you were supposed to write this book?
1: Yeah, you know, honestly, there were several people who commented on my social media stuff in quick succession. And I had already been thinking about this book and the idea of it. And then I just had multiple people kind of saying the same thing. And they kept saying, hey, I don't even agree with you on your point you're making here. But I'm really convicted by how gently and kindly you keep responding to people who are very mean to you on this platform. And that really hit me like, oh, maybe that is a book idea. That's something that I could partake. Because it, it, it wasn't really something I felt like I was good at, if that makes sense, hmm. until other people called it out in me.
0: Gotcha. How do you feel like this is different from whenever you're songwriting? Because that's what you've done for so much of your career.
1: Yeah. You know, what's funny is I was actually posting blogs on MySpace before I was writing songs. Really? So in some sense, this feels like a return to how I started. Okay. And I, I would say writing a book is a little more free because with a song, you have to condense what you're trying to say in as few words as humanly possible. So writing a book I guess the hardest part is learning how to extend what I'm talking about because I've been condensing and editing so long, writing songs Mm -hmm. that, you know, I'd write a chapter and I go, well, that's the whole book. And they go, no, write. 10 more chapters. I go, but I already said all that.
0: Actually, I asked that question of someone else the other day and kind of the same thing because you only have like 3 minutes in a song to convey a specific specific topic, but in a book you have all of this time. And you're like, what? How am I supposed to do this?
1: Yeah, it it feels like you're cheating. <laughs> almost. Like like wait, wait, wait. No, I I mean, I get to keep I get to keep talking about that. That's amazing.
0: It's like what I have more so, words to use.
1: <laughs> like, I, like I was saying, some in some ways, I think it's it's easier.
0: I say in one part of the book, you use the example of a fork in a blender as a way to show that you can add as many good things to your life as you want, but none of it matters if the fork is still there. So can you talk a little bit about how you took that short moment in time and turned it into a life lesson?
1: You know, when you've been writing songs as long as I have, you're constantly assessing your own life moments and plumbing them for some kind of wisdom or lesson to learn. So. That moment was no different. I, I remember I made that happened right before I was going to the airport and getting on a plane. I remember sitting on the plane just thinking about it and thinking about it and going, "What on earth could I learn from this besides don't be a doofus and put a fork in a blender." <laughs> and I started thinking about, why was the fork hidden and what was going on? And what could the fork represent? And I actually first used the analogy of that blender story talking about my first book of everybody wants to hear god's plan for their life but then when god tells you something you don't want to hear you're like yeah 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 give me something different (laughs) you know like hey god what's your plan for my life and he's like i want you to forgive that person no 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 i mean what's what's my what's your plan for my career yeah i want you to forgive that person and you're like no 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 (laughs) and that's kind of how the analogy was born
0: yeah he always brings us back to what we need to come to and we you know we always we don't not always but we do tend to like go forward to something else and he's like "Mm, no we're gonna we're gonna go back to this
1: in in our society we live in a very holiness as means of addition or maybe i should say it like significance by the way of accomplishment and A lot of holiness, what I look at, is actually like a means of subtraction. There's two ways to get content. Either try to get more and more and more until you feel content, or actually possess less and less and less until you realize you didn't need those things anyway.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective. You know, I sat down and read most of this book this weekend, and I was really convicted because we do disagree so terribly today in our world. And this whole book is coming out of your life experience, showing practical advice for doing that very thing. So how? what would you say are the first practical steps to learning how to disagree lovingly?
1: Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, just listen, listen, listen some more. You know, my friend Shamir, he was telling me his wife and him were in an argument and he, he made her sound like someone who was mentally unwell. Like the way he, and he was texting me what was going on. He goes, you need to, you need to help me figure out how to like fix my wife basically. And I said, hey, bro, I want you to take a second and I want you to retext me what's happening, but this time pretend you're her. And say it in such a way that if she read this text, she would say, yes, that's exactly what I said. Well, what happened? 10 minutes go by and then I get this version of events that's completely different than what he'd been saying. And that goes to show a lot of times when we start an argument, we start based on the caricature of someone that we're painting in our head. So you're saying blah, 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 blah. And one of the, the most fundamental ways to actually have a constructive argument is to be able to paraphrase the other person's argument so well that they would say, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. The other thing I would say, my buddy Mark, him and his wife were in an argument about something for two years, and we're out for a run one day, and he goes, bro, we finally fixed, we finally figured it out. I go, oh, so, you know, who gave in to who? He goes, neither. We both still disagree on the point. I go, well, what happened? He goes, I actually understood where she was coming from. And I think that's so important to remember that most of us don't even need to be agreed with. We just want to be heard and understood
0: yeah that's that's so good so now that you've written this book and now that you you know you think about this a lot more because it's something that you've done all the research on is it still really difficult to do or is it something that's a little bit easier every day
1: you know it's funny dude what just something just happened to me and someone was laughing at me and they're going "Well, oh, it's your fault for writing that book bro because now you're getting the practice <laughs> you know it's it, it's kind of funny how when you write about something suddenly it feels like you're given the opportunity to practice what you were preaching very quickly. And the way our world is, I always have opportunity to practice gracious disagreement. And honestly, it was kind of inspecting my own life and realizing how much much work I felt like I had to do in this, even though other people were saying of me, hey, you're good at this. When I looked inside, I said, man, I'm way short of where I need to be. So I think I wrote this book to try to teach myself before I try to teach anyone else.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's the best perspective you can have, though, because whenever we we think about things and include ourselves in it, it's not just talking to someone else. It's it's personal.
1: Yeah. And teach what you know. That's a basic. Everybody would agree. You don't want a PE teacher who's only studied Shakespeare. Yeah. (laughs) And you don't want a theater teacher who's only ever studied uh, physical education, you know, so... Hopefully, I'm getting to know it better as I'm learning and teaching.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What would you say is your favorite quote from the book and why?
1: My favorite quote? From the mm. book, yeah. You know, my favorite quote I came upon, it's not my quote, but it's in the book, is a T.S. Eliot quote. Hmm where he basically says to res- uh, it's something to the effect of resign yourself to, to be the fool that you actually are. Mm-hmm. And what he's saying is basically what Proverbs is saying over and over. A wise man loves correction and a foolish man hates it. So mm-hmm. the first foremost thing you need to actually learn is to realize you need to learn. And so if you don't admit that you're a fool, you'll actually be proven one because you're not willing to learn. Mm,
0: I feel like that kind of goes into constructive criticism as well. So how do How does how do those kind of tie together?
1: Yeah, you know, someone who is feeling the need to prove themselves will never take any kind of criticism well, no matter how graciously or tenderly you give it. Someone who is needing to prove that they're perfect or got it all together, or you could use even more dramatic language, someone who's trying to prove that they're their own savior. Then if they get shown that they're lacking, at least this this was my story growing up, I would get really defensive or really defeated. And someone who's on the path to wisdom doesn't get defeated or defensive because they realize, yeah, I mean, you could take it spiritual and say, I'm so bad, I need a savior. So I'm not going to get defensive. Uh, Yeah, I need help. And I'm so loved by God that he was glad to die for me. So that ought to keep you from being super defeated. In a sense, someone who says they believe the gospel ought to be the most open to criticism of any person on the planet so i've uh, friends have asked me man you know i was at this church but it was super unhealthy what do you what do you suggest is a healthy marker of a healthy church and i always say look for a church that's open to criticism the more open they are the more wisdom there is according to proverbs
0: how would you say the best way to go about changing you know if you're not in that mindset how would you practically start to get in that mindset
1: yeah unfortunately uh, i think you can only learn by receiving it yeah and (laughs) the only way you can receive it is if you open yourself up to it and i find all i know a lot of people who uh they go well i I don't have to work on that because everyone in my life agrees with me a hundred percent of the time and i always say well that probably means you're not in a relationship with anyone but yourself, and you've cultivated an atmosphere where they, no one feels safe enough to tell you what they actually think.
0: Mm, there's wisdom in that.
1: Yeah, 100%.
0: There is a quote in the book that says, It's paradigm-shifting to realize that Jesus looks past the action and sees the heart. And it's just such a profound sentence. So how does that— fit into the main theme of the book and learning how to lovingly
1: disagree. Yeah, man. You know, we always give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, Dolly. not we? Mm-hmm. I heard Tim Keller, he was talking about forgiveness and he was saying how when someone hurts us or wrongs us, we see them as a one-dimensional character. You know, they're just a villain and all their motives are wrong and all their thoughts are wrong. And Oh, that guy, he's such a blah, blah, blah. But when we think of ourselves when we've hurt someone, like, well, if you knew everything that was going on, you know, if you knew was happening at the time and you know, I didn't get enough sleep and you knew this was happening with my family and blah, 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 blah. You know, we see ourselves as three-dimensional. And I think, you know, the more we can see other people as hurting, scared, lonely, complicated people, you know, the easier it is to show grace uh, than when we paint them as just pure villain. Yeah.
0: So what do you think the prayer is for anyone who reads this book?
1: Yeah. So I guess the, the prayer would be, God, open my eyes to how I can consider not just my position, but also my posture when I convey my position. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Can you delve into that a little bit more? What do you mean
1: by position and posture? Right. So speak the truth in love. I know a lot of people who they tell someone the truth. Or Let me, let me give you an example. You know, our band got picketed one time by a group of fundamentalists and I went out and I talked to them and I said, hey guys, how's go- how are you doing? And they're like, well, you know, you're playing the devil's music. That's what's going. And I said, well, how do you feel like this method is where, you know, they had signs, they're screaming at everyone, they were going to hell, just screaming at the top of their lungs, pointing and screaming. And I said, how do you feel like this method is going? Like, how do you think the strategy's working? And I'll never forget what he said to me. He goes, doesn't matter. We're telling them the truth. And that little sentiment is how a lot of people actually think they go, well, it doesn't matter how offensive I am, it doesn't matter how curt or impolite I present something, how rude it is. At the end of the day, as long as I'm speaking up and telling them the truth, then, you know, truth is hard, and it's tough to hear, but that's on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like according to Paul, to Timothy, Paul says in Second Timothy, he goes, hey, hey, Timothy, correct your opponents with all gentleness. So he, he says, yeah, you're supposed to correct them. You're supposed to tell them the truth. But also, the way you communicate that truth is just as important.
0: Wow. Yeah. You Does know that, that s- makes sense? So yeah.
1: speak the truth in love, is what we're told in Ephesians.
0: Yeah, that perspective is definitely something I feel like we don't pay attention to as much in society but definitely something we should because when we look at how we're responding to people but also how we're how we're talking to people and how we're approaching different situations, it really does color how the other person responds.
1: Yeah, 100%.
0: So I've got a question that doesn't necessarily have to do with your book, but it's something I ask everyone that I interview. So I discovered God's calling for my life while living in an RV in Arkansas. So what is your living in an RV moment?
1: Man, I'm still trying to figure out what God's calling my life is. So good for you. You figured it out. (laughs) That Um, doesn't mean it won't change. (laughs) Yeah, uh... I mean, for me, probably the most radical thing that's happened to me is when I died in a car accident when I was a senior in high school and flatlined three different times. And afterward, I had to lay on my back for two months. And that's the first time I asked for a guitar because I was just laying around with nothing to do. And it's pretty wild because if I hadn't been in that car accident, I would never have learned how to play guitar. And so that would be an instance of me not even realizing huge shift in my future has just occurred. Yeah,
0: definitely. And how can me and anyone listening pray for you and pray for the people in your life?
1: Mm, That's a great question. Man, right now, right now, what do we need? We need peace and joy and just open communication with each other.
0: Can I go ahead and pray with you, is that okay? Perfect. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the beautiful day that you've given us today. Just thank you for the ability to have this conversation on lovingly disagreeing and how to, how to actually do it. Lord, I pray for Mike and his family and just that everyone there has peace and joy from you. I pray all the fruit of the spirit over them and that your hand is over every situation that they're in. And I just pray for whatever the next step is in all of their lives and that they remember to trust you and take one step forward every single day, Lord, following you. Amen. Amen.
1: That's it. Hey, guys, I'm Mike Donahue, singer of 10th Avenue North and of Mike Donahue. I also write books. You can find any information you want about me or my writings or musics at MikeDonahue.com.